Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now we're back with more of our look at all of today's matches on Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Let's go! On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back to Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Catching up with an old friend, Eric Krakauer, TV commentator for Charlotte FC. What's up, Eric? Uh, enjoying the World Cup. Thanks for having me. Good to see you guys. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. The last time we were talking, Eric, you were a little nervous because you spoke a bit of trash to Argentina fans after their result. And then it was your <laughs> team, Portugal's opportunity to get onto the stage. How do you feel in that 3-2 victory that they sort of set their tone for the World Cup? Well, if that's the tone that they've set, then I think we might be in a little bit of trouble and my nails need to grow out a little bit more before Uruguay uh, because it wasn't a particularly pleasing or convincing performance. They had their moments, uh, as expected, Portugal in control of, of possession, but lacking penetration and every so often a little bit open in transition, defensive transition. And then more worryingly, uh, showing a little bit of immaturity in its approach to the game after going 3-1 up, and also evidencing some of the mistakes that have been so costly in the past. I still have nightmares of Diogo Costa's <laughs> huge mistake. He was saved by the footballing gods when Iñaki Williams slipped. It was a crazy match back and forth, and and we'd been wondering coming into this with some of the, the possible turmoil with Portugal as to how they would handle it. How do you feel about that aspect of it after game one? I don't think, look, I was never particularly worried about about the the noise outside of the, the Portuguese camp. I think the media was trying to make more of that uh, than there actually uh, was. Uh, and it, when I say media, I think mostly international media because the, the Portuguese press was very quick to debunk any issues whatsoever between, between players. And, of course, um, more specifically between Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo. So uh, that was immediately immediately squashed. But my worry was that if the Portuguese uh, communications team didn't get ahead of this soon enough, it could become a little bit of a distraction. Uh, they never really got ahead of it, but it didn't become the distraction that I worried about. So all in all, things are well, harmonious, of course, there is some breaking news out of the Portuguese camp, which isn't great, but that's more injury-related. Now, Christian Ronaldo obviously has been the poster boy for this team for so, so long. But for you, who are the players that really have to step up in this World Cup if Portugal is going to make a run? Well, the most important player on this team for me is Bernardo Silva. Uh, I think that he is... For my money, a top 10 player in the world. If we're going to use sort of, you know, a hierarchy, because those hierarchies, let's be honest, are completely silly, right? What What is a top 10 player? But in his position, he most certainly is one of the elite players in the world. He dictates tempo. He's impossible to dispossess no matter where he is on the pitch. If you're a Manchester City fan, you sometimes see him 
um, occupy a space in between the two center backs and you wonder why that is happening. And I think the, the reason is that he's just not going to lose the ball and he's trying to play from a deep position. And you've seen him take up that role a little bit more with Portugal. In fact, earlier today in the press conference leading up to the game against Uruguay, he was asked about his lack of influence against Ghana and his reaction was sort of uh, to smile a little bit uh, and as if to say, you have no idea what you're talking about. My influence was different, right? I wasn't scoring goals or assisting. But in terms of dictating play, he was, he was, for my money, the most important player on the pitch, even though Bruno Fernandes and, of course, the goal scorers uh, took most of the plaudits. It feels like there's a little bit of a, a push-pull with this Portugal team about how attacking they're going to be. And I know that's one of the conversations from the fan perspective with all this attacking talent, they want to see them just open up and go for it more. How do you feel like Portugal strikes that balance so far and then against an opponent like Uruguay with all of their experience? So I'll split those are two questions and I'll, and I will split them very obviously in two. Um, the first answer, let me start by saying that, you know, I'm a big critic of Fernand Sench as, as a coach. Uh, I think in many ways, footballing, uh, tactics have bypassed him. You know, he's a guy who coached all three big clubs in, in Portugal, somebody who was uh, very influential in the 90s and, and the early aughts, succeeded in, in Greece, not only at the national level, international level uh, with the Greek national team, but also with clubs like IAK. Um, but um, I think that most of the criticism leveled at Fernando Santos has been that he hasn't been able to get the most out of his attacking talent. And finally, to give him a little bit of credit, he has uh, given them a little bit more uh, license to, to be creative. And the way that he's done that is by setting up in a, in a 4-4-2 diamond, which basically gives you a, a six who is more disciplined in his position, but then three midfielders ahead of him who have uh, freedom to exploit pockets of space and we saw that against Ghana which made it very difficult for for Ghana to to track those players the problem right now facing Portugal is one of personnel this is a, a deep squad there are plenty of players that can come off the bench and make an impact but they lack verticality and that has to do more with the player profile uh, that Fernando Santos has available to him than tactics I'll give you an example. Um, Jota, uh, Diogo Jota of Liverpool, has the profile of a player that, that Portugal has rarely seen. A guy who is technical, yes, but what really elevates him as a player is his ability to be an agent of chaos, uh, using his pace and his strength. And you take him out of the equation with his injury, and you really don't have a player like that anymore. A guy who doesn't necessarily need the ball at his feet he can just run and hope to get a long, a long ball behind defenders. And that was uh, really lacking against Ghana. Yes, you have Rafael Leão who can stretch defenses, but he likes to stretch defenses with the ball at his feet. You know, he's very good on the dribble. He's very explosive in his first couple of moves. And so I think against Uruguay, to sort of bleed into your second question, that is going to be an issue. Because as we saw against South Korea, Uruguay are perfectly happy playing an attritional game 
very defensively minded, and then looking to go um, long in transition using Darwin Nunes on the left wing and Palestri on the right, although I don't think Palestri will will start in this game, given that he wasn't particularly influential and not through any fault of his own. That was just the type of play that Uruguay was focused on. Um, So I think Portugal is going to dominate possession against Uruguay. But if they're not able to penetrate down the middle and carve up the Uruguayans with very quick uh, positional interplays, I think they're going to be in trouble because nobody is going to be able to offer that ball well, they'll be able to offer the ball over the top. They're just, they just won't have a recipient. You've talked about the offensive side of the Portuguese seed. Uh, defensively, we alluded to the goalkeeper, almost nightmare. How concerned are you that you let up two goals? How concerned are you about the defensive style of Portugal? Well, there's always concern when you can see two goals, uh, especially when you think of Portugal uh, during uh, Santos' reign as a defensive team. I mean, they won... Euro 2016 by not conceding too many, except they did concede uh, three. Was it two or three against Hungary in the uh, in the group stage? I think it was three three that game, which was which was insane. Gave me heart heart palpitations. Look, the big news coming out of camp is that Danilo might be out for the tournament. He fractured mm-hmm. three ribs uh, during a set piece uh, drill. Uh, they're saying that maybe he'll be available for the knockout stages, but you know. People who have been around soccer, like the three of us, players, coaches, media, when you when you suffer an injury like that in your ribs, it takes a long time to recover, and you certainly don't want to be a liability uh, mm-hmm. from a physical st- standpoint in a game, uh, especially in a, knock st- a knockout stages of the World Cup. So who fills in that spot is interesting because Pep is the uh, the immediate candidate, considering that he's been a starter forever and one of Portugal's most important players. But he hasn't played since October. He's been injured for for, for Porto. Uh, Santos brought a kid, an 18-year-old named uh, Antonio Silva, who has only gotten, I think, 18 professional games under his belt. But in the lead-up to the World Cup they played against Nigeria, he was a starter, played 90 minutes, and he just looked imperious. Uh, PSG is already being linked with him. And I think that's a move that will potentially materialize. And that speaks to his talent. But you need more, a lot more than talent when you're, when you're talking about playing at this level, especially against a team that is as savvy uh, as Uruguay. What are your thoughts on the tournament uh, as a whole? We've seen a lot of scoreless draws, but I feel like as we're getting into the second game for a lot of these teams, the intensity is really picking up. And it feels like the the vibe is very different in these game twos than they were in the game ones. Yeah, I, I think there's some truth to that. Absolutely. Look, the nil-nils is, are obvious to me. You know, given, given the uh, time of year where this, when this World Cup is being played, uh, with these national teams not having too much time to train together, and knowing that when it comes to these tournaments, you know, teams tend to bunker in and look to play in transition. Well, the biggest problem you have as a team is having enough time with each other to really work on attacking processes, breaking down defenses. In fact, that was the issue today with Japan against Costa Rica. Japan far more talented, but a team that has proven over uh, a number of years that despite their talent, they've always had difficulties uh, breaking down low blocks. We saw Belgium have trouble against Morocco uh, breaking down that low block today. Uh, we saw South Korea having trouble against Uruguay and vice versa when South Korea sat back. 
So I think that's something that we're going to continue to see. Having said that, um, I actually believe that within the playing field, this has been an excellent World Cup. We've had upsets like Saudi Arabia against Argentina. We've had ferocious games like Mexico against Argentina. Uh, and by the way, another example of an Argentine team having a lot of trouble breaking down that defensive mm-hmm. block. Mm-hmm. The problem is for Mexico, when you have Messi breaking the deadlock and you have no rhythm, how do you get back into a game like that? The answer is uh, that you don't. But because we've had upsets and we have had these uh, these games like Portugal-Ghana that have been close and have had edgy moments, I would say that right now I'd give this tournament a B to a B plus in terms of entertainment. Charlotte FC fans would not be happy with me if I didn't bring up Karol Sviderski. Hasn't been able to have an impact for this Polish side right now. Do you think he's a player that the Polish national team should be utilizing on the field? Yes, I really do. Uh, and I tweeted something to, to that effect before the tournament started when um, Poland played uh, Chile. And he was a starter in, in that game. But what was very evident to me, and again, this is you know, just touching on that theme that I was just talking about two seconds ago, was that going forward, Poland is a team that is quite one-dimensional, right? Mm-hmm. They want to hit the ball wide to the wing backs, and they want to get Lewandowski to create something. And what we've seen in this tournament is that Lewandowski hasn't had a player alongside him who can facilitate. And we know that Trudersky is a facilitator. The other guys like Piontek, you know, are more uh, number nines, you know, prototypical goal scorers. Of course, you've got somebody like Zielinski who's there, but he has become such a star player for them that he gets more attention from from defenders. So I think that adding a playmaker like Trudersky um, to that 11 would make it a little bit easier for Lewandowski and Zielinski to find more space uh, to to create dangerous moments. I would not be surprised uh, if if we saw Trudersky start against Argentina. Uh, especially because they're going to expect Argentina to have a lot of possession. And so you want somebody who can make something happen very quickly in transition with one or two two good touches. Because, you know, as you guys know well, one of the attributes that really stuck out about Shudersky is ability, his ability to protect the ball in, in possession. Uh, so I, I'd love him to start that game. I would think that he'll have an impact. And I wouldn't be surprised if Lewandowski is having a word with his uh, head coach saying, hey, can you get that uh, Charlotte FC player in there? Because he's quite good. One more from me, just in general, uh, about the group that Portugal's in. I'm sure that you're expecting them to get out of the group. Who do you think gets out with them? Because it feels wide open. It does feel wide open. And I think that we'll know a lot more after Portugal plays Uruguay. I think after the first win, I think Portugal will finish top. Um, because even though I was quite impressed with with some of South Korea's play, which played typical Paulo Bento soccer, and for people who don't know, Paulo Bento was the coach of the Portuguese national team for a very long time. One of the worst performances in World Cup history with, was with him in charge in 2014, although that was a pretty imbalanced team, an injured Cristiano Ronaldo who did nothing on the defensive side of things, played against the U.S., 1-1, famous, famous game, and then played Ghana. Uh, as well uh, in that group. It seems that Portugal and Ghana tend to play each other a lot in international competition. Uh, Look, I think Portugal, pound for pound, have the most talent, but they have the vulnerabilities that I already mentioned. I think Uruguay, even though they played such an ugly game, are still a very dangerous team. And I would argue that if Uruguay finishes second and they face Brazil, 
they have exactly the type of approach and players that could spring a surprise against Brazil. They're battle-hardened. You know, they play at top clubs. And you saw that the Brazilians against Serbia had a little bit of trouble also breaking down the, the lower <laughs> block. Yes, but the difference between, between Uruguay and Serbia is that Uruguay have three players in the middle. Betancourt, you know, obviously uh, the big one is, is, is Valverde, who are just very strong and can keep possession even though they're not the most creative players in the world. All this to say that I expect Portugal and Uruguay to go through. But uh, I think that like we're seeing with Group C, with, with Argentina, Poland, Mexico, uh, and who am I missing here? Who's Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia. I think it's going to go right till the last minute. I think we'll see the same thing with Group H. Since Jason is making you put your money where your mouth is, I'll do it as well. Last one from me. Who lifts the World Cup in 2022? Well, my pick has been Brazil all the way through. Uh, just because uh, of depth and also balance. And add to that the key factor now for the wrong reasons, Neymar. I think Neymar right now is the best player in the world. The form that he's been in at, at PSG is electric. Uh, he and Messi, I mean, that relationship has been, has been unbelievable. But the difference between Messi and, and Neymar is that Neymar – has a lot more pieces in the attacking third to play with. That's not to take anything away from Lautaro Martinez and Angel Di Maria. I just think that there's there are more options in terms of profiles for Brazil that he can play off of. However, the question now is, when are we going to see Neymar again? And he's the one player on that team that you just can't replicate, right? Uh, so I think they're in trouble without him, but I think that he'll recover in time for the late stages. So I still have uh, Brazil. It also needs to be said, France have looked unbelievable because not only are they disciplined structurally under Deschamps, but with the kind of confidence that Mbappe's playing with, Griezmann, and then the blessing in disguise, which I tweeted about, and I thought I'd get a deluge of criticism, which I didn't. I think Benzema uh, being knocked out of this, of this tournament is a godsend for France because mm. in terms of balance, Giroud is much more of a compliment for those for those two aforementioned players than Benzema was. Let everybody know where they can find all your Twitter hot takes and maybe yell at you if they if you say something they don't like. Well, listen, I don't know if you guys saw my hot takes about the U.S. men's national team uh-huh. and the, uh, the abuse that I've been taking over the last uh, 24 to I did. No, hours. I alluded to your take about the negativity of U.S. men's yeah. national team Twitter on our show. I thought that was a very accurate take. UK. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I, I, what can I say about U.S. Uh, US uh, national team uh, supporters? They're, they're capricious at best. Um, where they can find me at Eric Krakauer uh, on on Twitter, and that's where I'll give you my you know semi hot takes, my warm takes. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for giving us a few warm takes today. Really, really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, thanks so much for having me, guys. Anytime. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.